Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Jason Maletsky. Our mission is to live, love, laugh, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust, trusting the entire journey. Across the internet, our handle is trustthejourney.today. You can find us anywhere. That's also our website where you can find all of our links. If you'd like a cost-free way of supporting the program, please consider subscribing on any of our channels, especially YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, those kind of places. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you think we deserve it. And one of the things that you can do that really, really helps is share an episode with somebody who you feel like will get value from it. Our Patreon community, the Trusted Journey family, is how we keep the show going. This is a private Facebook group where we expand the conversation directly with anyone seeking community, connection, support, in their healing journeys. We hold deep, safe, non-judgmental, and encouraging space for it all to be vulnerable, supporting of each other, of our challenges, our successes, our failures, all of them are welcome there. If you're interested in joining one of our live integration circles, they are also included for those who join the Patreon community at the $25 level. You can go to trustthejourney.today, click the orange Patreon button, that'll take you over there and you can subscribe. If you'd like to connect with me, Jason, you can go to jasonwledsky.com. If you're looking for my co-host, Miss Melanie Curtis, you can find her at melaniecurtis.com. So, and one more reminder, when we're talking about plant medicines or psychedelics, we are sharing for informational purposes only. We are not doctors and we do not promote anything illegal. In today's episode, I am thrilled to welcome Jacob Tell. Jacob Tell is the founder of District 216, a members-only psychedelic social club for thinkers, creators, and trailblazers, a community where education meets entertainment in art, music, cannabis, and psychedelics. Jacob has been uniting creativity and culture for two decades. He's the driving force behind the branding and creative marketing agency on a, I don't know, how do we say that? Oniracom. Oniracom. Founded in 2001, he spent more than two decades pioneering a culture of positive disruption. I love that. His journey is not merely a career, but a tapestry of authentic relationships, a commitment to team building, a steadfast dedication to shaping culture. And with an educational background in film and politics, Jacob seeks world-changing solutions for positive and creative people. He carries with him a deep appreciation for nature, a hopeful vision for the future of human ecology. Jacob actively supports forward-thinking environmental and political leaders and aims to further the, mel the meld of the realms of artistry and science. And with that, I welcome to the show, Jacob Tell. Thank you, Jason. I apologize for the mouthful of a bio, but thanks for getting through that. <laughs> Honestly, you're, you're, you're more than welcome. And, you know, being here with you and reading that and really thinking about it, I'm like, man, I can't not wait to dive deeper into this conversation. I, I relate to so much of what is said there. Beautiful. I'm, I've been excited about this since we had initially connected the other week and uh, been kind of brewing on a few things. Hopefully they'll come to the surface during our time together. Awesome. I've been, I want to bring us around to what led us to being here today. And yep. I want to start that, that journey with 
when did your psychedelic journey start? How did that start? How did it come to be? And yeah. that will eventually bring us back around to why we're sitting here today. Sure. I mean, I'm a, a child of the 80s and went to uh, college in the late 90s. And it was really right at that time. I, I ended up in a beautiful part of the country uh, in Santa Barbara, where I still am today, planted some roots. And I think actually the psychedelics use at UC Santa Barbara, out there on Campus Point, for those of you gauchos who know what I'm talking about, um, that was kind of my my magnet in to this geography. And, and I think also to understanding the trying to understand and learn more of the history with the Chumash um, tribe here and just trying to, to feel that connection with this beautiful location uh, that I've been in. But yeah, I was about 18 when it all unfolded. So how long has it been now? I mean, better part of my adult life. I'm 43. So okay. yeah. yeah, good 25 years of uh, psychedelics use in different contexts and capacities. Yeah, I think that's a really important statement. I can relate. I've been a child of a psychedelic. You know, I was on well, my old uh, high school uh, Facebook page recently and somebody posted a meme of remember, you know, just remembering school in the old days, and it had some kids with acid tabs on their tongues, and I was like, "Yeah, that's where I started." Was in high school, you know, and um, it's been a lifetime of varied types of psychedelic use for me. With starting off very recreational and very abstract, and then moving more and more into the spiritual realm, and further and further into the ceremonial and the medicinal healing realm. We have a a very similar trajectory. In fact, same thing. I was on this Facebook group where it's like the, I partied in Isla Vista from the years, this to that. And I'm like, yep, that's when I was there. That's the little party college town off the side of UC Santa Barbara. And everyone's in there talking about their alcohol stories. And I'm going in there trying to say, no, no, no. Remember the, the, the mushroom journeys and the acid trips and the, the mescaline and this and that. And you know, they're talking about keg stands. And I, I just remembered the distinction that we all saw, like when we were tripping, around drunk people and, and having being on such different frequency levels and going like i mean even when we were doing it recreationally there was a sense of of spiritual connection there was a sense of some kind of inner development and small group team development as well i i feel from the very start yeah yeah i definitely agree so let's draw the link here from a recreational past to a community-based present moment where did how did this journey begin? When did you found uh, District Two? Is it Two Sixteen or Two One Six? Either one. I mean, District Two Sixteen is what I find myself saying more, although it's interchangeable. So whatever people feel called to. Okay, so so tell me about District Two Sixteen, and where the motivation came from. What are the yeah. what's the goals? What's it all about? Sure. I mean, there's context, so I could just dive right in there. I could go back a little either way. Um, Let's get some history. I'd like to hear right. where this, okay. where this or what's the origin story of, of all of this? Sure. I mean, so for me, uh, the same pretty much era as I'm learning about my relationship with cannabis and my relationship with psychedelics and, and being uh, you know, independent in college and all those things, I also got exposed to my now, my family, my community, my church, my cults, I joke which is the band Fish. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's with a PH. And I really right there in the late 90s started going to see shows, 
with psychedelics as well. And it completely opened my eyes to not just the scene and not just the power of live music and the community around it, but it created this need and drive for entrepreneurial venture within me. And all of what I have done since and the various ventures I've been involved in, starting with Oniracom, the, the marketing company 22 years ago, 2001, when we founded that, came from the from this thread of what these guys did, which is an environment of yes and, you know, this improvisational spirit. You're never going to know what's going to happen that night. The connection between artist and fan, breaking that that wall down and creating this, you know, very energetic exchange, being very authentic to the moment, trying to be very present and creating community intentionally around all of that. And so all of that has been carried through and um, into the marketing company. I could then go down the journey of working in the music industry early on and getting opportunities to go out and tour uh, the world internationally and, and manage and run merchandise for, for Jack Johnson, an amazing, incredible artist, learning how to bring sustainability and environmentalism into cause-driven marketing from there for a decade doing the music industry thing, working with major labels, then moving into consumer packaged goods, eventually into cannabis, eventually into psychedelics. Then the pandemic hits. We have this empty building. What are we going to do? Um, fast forwarding through the, the Cliffs Notes for you, but, but creating a, basically a venue out of our building, doing, doing events eventually here. And so when you fast forward to about a year and a half, two years ago, when I I knew I wanted to do more community building, more event production. And when I realized that I could wrap a social club membership model around it, if you put everything I just said into a blender, essentially District 216 came out. It, it was community, it was events, it's media, um, educational thought leadership, bringing together uh, people to learn and share and grow you know, all at the same time and doing it around topics that really matter. Uh, a lot of things that are taboo that should be normalized, especially around cannabis and psychedelics. Um, and and really, it's all about consciousness raising. So that's a long-winded way to answer that, that question. <laughs> Thank you, though. The, the detail there, the comprehensiveness really helps to put some foundation in place to understand you know, where we're at today. And I want to say I completely agree with you about the, you know, creating a safe space to discuss the taboo air quotes on taboo so many things that we have um lived our lives feeling like we can't talk about them and that they're they're you know the judgment that comes along with that and finally saying you know what we're tired of not talking about these things because they're part of our lives and we're all just pretending like it isn't for who for like some you know magic you know, the great Oz behind the curtain kind of thing. Uh, this is the reality of the world. This is, you know, the culture that we are all born into, have lived in and continue to live in and grow into. And it's up to us to define what we want it to look like going forward. So people like yourself who are making action steps towards creating and holding safe places for us to be completely vulnerable about who we really are and the cultures that we want to foster and curate Thank you. I applaud. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, I, I receive that. I feel heard and seen in that. And I think for me, if if the ripple effect goes back out of just living in alignment and being authentic, like those are the things that truly matter if we're going to elevate consciousness 
and make the society that we want. And so actually, when you asked me, funny enough, to send you a headshot, I decided to send you two. I didn't listen to your rule. I sent you a before and an after, before coming out of the psychedelics closet and then since living in alignment. Um, And if you looked at my LinkedIn profile, you'll see right up there what hashtags I use, what headshot I used, what my little byline is. And it certainly isn't that that old old school way of approaching LinkedIn. I I wanted to disrupt that as well. Now disruption, you know, is is a great thing because I think for so many of us, we're tra- we're trained, we're programmed to live inside of the lines, right? Like don't color outside the lines, don't step outside, don't speak about things outside of them. And then what we find is we're miserable. The lines are like a cage. Mm-hmm. We might as well be in a prison of thought and of feeling and that ability to, you know, I can say the same thing. I mean, I've got one of my, my water balls here and it's covered in our logos and, you know, my decision to go bright branding rainbows with everything is like, you know what? I'm tired of being the, the masculine, the typical, a masculine character that I was brought up to be, which, you know, darker colors and very square. I'm like, oh man, I like high heels. Absolutely. (laughs) Amen, brother. Yeah. Yeah. We got to let our freak flag uh, fly for sure. And communities around, you know, live music and and festivals and all those things help. But can we then take that stuff back? And can we just on a day to day, you know, live in the authentic ways that we feel comfortable in those set and settings? Can we do that all the time? So this is the perfect circle, as I was hoping it would. Um, What brought us together was um, at, at last last burning man, I decided, uh, to make the effort to become a volunteer for Zendo and the psychedelic oh. peer support community Yes, and did the training and volunteered and got accepted and showed up to my shift to work at the Zendo to help people who are having challenging experiences. And while I was there, I got to meet a wonderful mutual friend of ours who put us in touch. And this is the beauty of these circles overlapping and continuing to radiate out beyond the festival itself or the party itself and actually having a positive impact and effect in the world around us. And most importantly, changing culture, right? Absolutely. Thank you for being of service, by the way. That's a hugely important aspect of keeping these bits of culture like Burning Man actively going, that keeping these, you know, safe places, harm reduction, education, you know, these things are so critical. Yeah, 100%. I, I uh, am involved in local community here where we host events and they're usually one or two nights, parties out in nature in beautiful settings. And they're very much in line with the Burning Man ethos of, you know, leave no trace and radical self-reliance and creating and curating safe spaces like yourself for people to have experiences of opening. And with that comes risk, you know, as there is in any collective gathering and wanting myself to be more educated on how to navigate and mitigate and manage these situations and environments. And, you know, how do we build an ethos within our community that moves towards um, sustainability and moderation and openness about where we're at and being able to support one another and hold space for one another. And I'm going to bring that over to your manifesto 
because I was reading through the District 216 Manifesto. And this Thank is the you. stuff that's important to me, right? Thank You're you welcome. for reading that. <laughs> yeah, it just it, for me, I have spent hours and hours and hours working through our values and, and vision for our Desert Soul Collective. And I see you've done the same. And it says a lot about who you are, that this is what's important to you, that you clarify your intentions. So please have the floor to speak towards the manifesto and the intentions of District 216. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's where it started. I, I, I didn't even necessarily understand the business model fully, but I already had clarity around the manifesto. Um, really, that has been an ethos of all of the teams and all the organizations that I've been involved in, whether we go way back to, you know, Boy Scouts, I'm an Eagle Scout and going through that huge part of my life or being in marching band and being in these sort of team driven discipline uh, focused organizations all the way to like creating a company culture and having, you know, a culture booklet that defines values and onboards interns and staff with it. And you mail it out to a client to say, Hey, here's who we are. We're starting to, to date. We've done these sorts of things. So it's been in, it's been in my DNA. It's been in my organization's DNA. So for district 216 though, the, the sort of the special piece of this is that, um, my biggest probably one of my top at least few inspirations is, was my dad. And he passed away a little less than two years ago from a rare blood cancer. And, you know, he was a writer. He was uh, a poet. He's got books of poetry. Um, my sister and I have published one. We're going to publish another one now that he's gone. And he was also a guidance counselor. He helped tremendous amounts of people through their lives at very pivotal transitional periods, um, you know, going from high school uh, out into the real world and so on. And it wasn't until he passed that I had started to learn all these stories about what an impact he had. I mean, I thought I knew, but I didn't really know until these people were like, you don't understand what your dad meant to me or what he did for me or how he was there, how he listened. And so one day it just, I don't know, a lot of writing has come through since he's passed. And one of those spurts was this manifesto. It just, you know, when you hear those kind of those cliche stories from an artist, a musician, and they can't explain why a song that normally takes them days or weeks or years to write, it just happens in an instant. It was one of those moments. It just kind of flowed through me and I couldn't help but just finish it in a moment. And, you know, it got polished and, and edited, of course, but for the most part, that was just channeled through him. And a lot of the values that he raised, my family, my sister and I with my mom, through uh, are there, but also synthesized with a lot of my own business practices. So I'm very proud of that. It is central and critical to District 216. And I will say we've had to use it, unfortunately, a couple of times uh, with a couple people that are, are battling addiction to set some boundaries and, and say, look, these are the values that we have here. We, we just simply can't have behavior like that around District 216. So don't you think that's the true value of having them is to actually be able to, it's, you know, religion has used this context for a long time with, you know, utmost detail. And for me, having a very simplified version that works within our given community that we all agree upon, that doesn't necessarily have a context that relates to 
a higher power. It's about what we as the community have said, this is what we're putting forward as our set of values, not because of fear or judgment or power or control, but because this is what we know lifts us up and raises our energy, you know, cliche statement, raises our energy. It creates the space. It connects us. It allows us to see ourselves. It gives us the room to grow. It does all the things that we need and it doesn't exclude anybody. Yeah. So well said. I, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, the only other thing I would add is like when we're making, when we're making a container, we're, we're setting space. Typically there are some ground rules that are set in that process. So this kind of advances that, right? It's like you're coming into this container, whether it's to a smaller Wednesday night gathering that we have weekly or to our bigger marquee events once a quarter. And this is the, the context of, of the value system that you can expect. So do you, um, do you pre-share these in written or digital form? Are they up, you know, in the venue for people to read? Yes. How are they digested? Yeah. Yeah. Actually for our, our, our programs that we have for our marquee events, um, I can actually do a show and tell it's not too far from me. We, we print these out, you know, each, uh, each time we do like a, like a marquee event and, you know, it just has a run of show and sponsors and whatnot, but the back panel is a hundred percent the manifesto. Of course, I got the dedication to my dad at the bottom there, but you know, that is something that's handed out to every single person that these are about 250 to 300 person gatherings. We've done four of them this year, uh, quarterly, like I said. And so that is something I've also incorporated into my presentations there at these events where I'm talking about district 216. It's, it has been, um, a very critical piece for me of, of the entire organization. Yeah. I, I would mirror that the statements for myself as an individual developing my own value set. And then within the organizations that I work within, uh, whether it's, you know, the arts collective or the company that I founded companies, they, they all each have their own value set and they're quite similar. Each has their own uniqueness about them. But I find that when it's there on the wall for us to refer back to, especially when we find ourselves in a place of conflict between ourselves or inside the community, there's just a clear path about how to manage those. So before I take us forward to more detail about your actual events, I'd like to provide the opportunity either for you to review these and share them, or I could do it. When you say these, you mean the events? No, the, the, the actual, oh, oh the, the manifesto. manifesto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I will, I, I want to hear it. I want to be the, you want to hear it? I want to be the audience. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to read through these. There are 15 of them. They're numbered. And I'd like, if there's anything that you want to reflect or add on them as I share them, please feel free to, Thank to you jump so, in. This is incredible, by the way. Thank you so much for being so mindful about this piece. It's so, I mean, I, I've got, got goosebumps. So thank you. It's my pleasure. Absolutely is. Number one, presence. Be here now, Ramdas, and fully experience life. Turn off your mind, relax, and float downstream. Yeah, number the influence is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number two is community. Show up fully and join in wholeheartedly as the sum of us is greater than ourselves and we all belong here. Number three, awareness, move with curiosity to explore within and without for greater wisdom. 
is another, a curiosity. Be- another Beatles powerful. reference there for the for the for the nice Beatles fans in the audience. That's two awesome. Beatles references already. Two, yeah. Float downstream. Yeah, yeah. It's the other one. Yeah. Uh number four is authenticity. Allow identity constructs to melt away so we can each reveal our true self. Number five, honor. Know who and what have come before, cultures, traditions, and life ways, and seek to bring their benefits into the future. I really like that. that that's it, it oversteps tradition and speaks towards respect for those who have already, you know, made the mistakes and learned from them. And when I when I hear the term, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, which is certainly in this, to me that was I always thought of it more of like scientific advancements, like we're we're learning and then we're expanding on those things. But I wanted it to feel more like you know from our elders and from these civilizations that have come before us. Yeah, it's amazing as we get older how much we suddenly go, "Wow, older people really know what they're talking about." Yeah. <laughs> Number six is art and science. Beautiful. Unravel the most effective answer at the intersection of intuition and data. Man, do I ever resonate with that one. It's like home for me. Yes. Number seven is disruption. Challenge the status quo to inspire our greater good. Yes. Yeah. Number eight, natural selection. Evolve with constant refinement while looking for to nature for answers, recognizing that human systems are imperfect. Number nine is expansion. Escape the feedback loop of our own bubble with diverse perspectives that dissolve preconceptions and usher new ideas, networks, and people into our lives. Now, I want to touch on this really quick because I'm an introvert and you might not be able to tell it because I do engage in in an outward way, but I go way inside my own feedback loop way too much. And getting out of the bubble and getting other people's perspectives has been some of the most powerful healing that I've done. So I really love that that's in there. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Number 10, patience. True. It's got to tell myself this one. Pause as it is the silence between the notes that make the music. This is one of my very favorite quotes. I was about to I say have, the same thing. Yep. Yep. I abs- it's it's lives close to my heart all the time. And the practice of pause is such an art in itself. All right. Number 11, play. Channel your inner child's lighthearted wonder, curiosity, and thirst for fun to create elevated experiences and solutions. Well, uh, the child inside of us knows what's up. Nope. Number 12 is oneness. Look to all the stars to honor our cosmic blueprint. Gravity's got a hold of us all, and we're all star stuff. There's a few references in there. This is a really important one to me. First of all, you know, you've got the the cosmos, you know, reboot into Neil deGrasse Tyson, obviously. Um, but the, the gravity's got a hold of, of us all is actually... Jack Johnson, the artist, wrote a song, but that's a reference back to um, uh, Vonnegut 
is a, a Kurt Vonnegut concept from a from, I forget which book. I apologize, but this idea that gravity's got a hold of us all. You know, at the end of the day, like we are very small, and, and then we are all star stuffs. Carl Sagan, right? Sagan, yep. It's Sagan and Neil deGrasse doing the reboot on Sagan, and yeah, it's yep. all wrapped in there. Man, Sagan just hits me. Every, I, his tone and delivery just it just steamrolls me with love every single time. Yeah. Speaking of that, number 13 is love. Open your heart to the people, experiences, ideas, and vulnerabilities that show up. Thank you. Number 14, courage. Transmute fear to courage. Acts of conscious consciousness expansion. Transmute fear to courage. Courageous acts of consciousness expansion. I'm pretty dyslexic. I, I mean, as an introvert though, right? This is an opportunity to take that fear and, and move it into yep. something where you can be vulnerable yep. in a group. Yeah. Last on the list here, 15, let it be. Another Beatles reference. Yeah. Leave judgments at the door as what will be revealed is it's all understood. Yep. And that's another title to a Jack Johnson song. It's all understood. Yeah. I love that song. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of the music tapestry woven from my influences in my life there too. And again, very, very grateful that you took the time. Thank you. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and again, you putting this out into the world and having the more of us that do this for ourselves and our communities, the more alignment we'll find. Because as I review this list, it's basically the same list with some slight rewordings of the same things that I have in my life, same things that I see at Burning Man, the same things I see in the cultures that I choose and wish to continue to foster and create. So we, we find our alignment by saying, this is what's important to me and why. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And, yeah. And of course you have the manifesto dedicated to Daryl Tell, your father. Yep. So yep. thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. So let's jump over to here now, putting on these events in this, is it a warehouse, a big building? Tell me about it. Give me a sure. little description. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where uh, my day job, Oniracom, the marketing agency we've got, I'm sitting in my office here. Um, we've got other tenants in the building. We have other Oniracom employees in the building. And when it's not um, just office space, like I said, we rent it out. We do photo shoots, video shoots, and live streams here during daytime hours. And then nights and weekends, it becomes an event space. We've had comedy shows and music and private parties and weddings and whatnot. Um, that is a brand of itself called Lotto Studios. So we're in Lotto Studios and Lotto Studios has hosted all 44 District 216 events. And we've had if you can believe it, we launched January 29th, the end of January. In just 10 months, we've had 44 events and all of them have been here at Lotto Studios. Wow, you've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sleep <laughs> has not been really one of my values as of this 2023, but we'll get there. We're, we're building something and it, it takes a little extra put in, but, but it's been exciting. It's been amazing. So I went on the website and I scanned through some of the different things that you've hosted there, some of the talks, and there's a number of uh, videos and different types of gatherings. So describe for our audience some of the difference between, say, the quarterly um, marquee, the, the, 
marquees. Thank you. Yeah. The marquee events versus some of the others, uh, other yeah. types of events you've got going on. Absolutely. So every single week we have a Wednesday night. Um, today happens to be Thursday. Last night we had an amazing packed house with a, a psychologist that does psychedelic preparation and psychedelic integration um, with uh, patients. She doesn't actually do the journey part, but she does the before and the after. She also will work with ketamine since it's legal. And so she talked all about the connection between dreams and the dream space and the psychedelic realm. And it was fascinating. And we had about, you know, more than average, about 45, 50 folks in the room for that. Normally our Wednesdays are 20, 25 people. And we mix up the formats between like an interview, a, a presentation format like we had last night. We'll do workshops. We'll have roundtable conversations or we'll do a documentary film screening. And so we try to mix up the content, both in terms of format, like I said, and also um, just people with different backgrounds, uh, people that are more on the science end of the spectrum, people that may be on the plant medicine end of the spectrum, people that merge and meld those two very beautifully, um, you know, some that are more focused around on the artistry, some that are more focused around the science, whether that's neuroscience or psychology or so it's been mostly consciousness has been the red thread through all of those. And most of them have had a very heavy psychedelic concentration or at least referenced, if not focused. Um, and again, since uh, the beginning of the year, we've done a week, a week, weekly Wednesday. I think of the 44 events, uh, about 39 of them have been this, this weekly Wednesday format. Well, okay. That sounds great. And so this, now this is a members only club. So how does that it work? Is. So it's membership driven. We do also sell guest tickets for those people that want to come try it out. Maybe they only want to come to a couple of here and there. Members are going to get more value. Obviously, if you're a member, not only are you having access to all the events and you can bring guests, but we have an entire online ecosystem. We recently launched an app. We use a platform called Mighty Networks and we put all of our content in there. So every single interview, lecture, discussion panel is filmed, edited. Um, we put graphics and you know color corrected and good audio and it's 4K and all that good stuff. And we pop it into the app. And so if you missed one and you're a member, you can go back in and watch that later. Uh, you can comment on it. You can connect with other members around that content. So that's another big add value. And then for those people that aren't lucky enough to be in and around the Central Coast, of California, uh, which by the way, I do want to have more district 216 locations elsewhere. And that's the roadmap, but you can just get an online membership. And globally, we have community of people that are logged in and tuned into the content that, that aren't necessarily able to go to lectures like that in their hometowns. Yeah. That applies to me. I live in a rural area of Utah, so, you know, it's not easy access to a lot of these, you know, bigger cities, cultural centers, where I'm going to get exposure to this. We've got our little, you know, our little happenings here and there, but that's the kind of thing that I'd love to engage where, you know, when I sit down in the evening to relax, I could flip on a talk one of these Wednesdays and suddenly be able to engage the community that I know I'm a part of, even as though I'm on the long end of a spoke. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. So let's go into the marquees. Yeah. Tell me about the marquees because these are the big showboat the big events, one. right? Yeah. We yeah. launched with one. Um, we do one a quarter. We, we, the first one, our launch event, we had a couple of women from a 
uh, FDA-backed uh, university-driven psilocybin research program that uses VR technology as an integration tool. It was fascinating. Our second one, we had all about plant medicine, uh, some fantastic speakers um, in and around the plant medicine realm. The third one was near and dear to me. It was all a Native American reciprocity uh, benefit honoring was the title. And we had incredible people uh, come talk about uh, the Native American uh, reciprocity and the relationship of psychedelics companies and the responsibility and stewardship we have um, to connect in properly that way through benefit honoring and other mechanisms. Um, and then most recently, our fourth one was on sex and psychedelics. And it was an all women panel on sexuality and, and psychedelics and safety and all sorts of related things. And that was a, a fantastic uh, event a couple of weeks ago. The marquee events focus around one topic, one panel. So instead of a single speaker, we're having maybe three or four panelists and a, and a moderator. And then it's a two-part event. The first part is seated. We have a beautiful parking lot that we convert into a venue. We have a stage and we do um, amazing projection mapping and really cool visuals and you know food and drink and all of that good stuff. By the way, all non-alcoholic events, we don't have any alcohol served. It's a pretty high vibrational type uh, environment, although we do offer and have a cannabis lounge and cannabis beverages uh, with various cannabis sponsors, but no alcohol, just to be super clear on that. And um, uh, the, sec the, the sort of the second half, when we remove all the chairs and the discussion panels over, then the live band comes on and it turns into more music and networking. And there's about usually 15 or so sponsored booths throughout the space as well. Fantastic. I'm a huge fan, a fan of the dry events. I remember uh, early on in, in my career anyways, I made a trip to New York City and I went to an underground show to go and see one of my favorite DJs, uh, Danny Tanaglia. And they had a venue in literally in the underground where it's down one of these alleys into a dark, you know, door. And, you know, you go inside and they don't serve any alcohol at all. And the vibe was just so much better than so much any better. club ex club experiences that are you know drowned in alcohol just just disgust me really i mean there it's so it there's so much energy in there that i don't want to connect to or participate with in and having these spaces where i can go and feel a sense of sobriety and do that people are the understanding that it's there's there's a certain amount of respect that comes with it to say, oh, we're going to, we're going to put that to the side here so that while we're in this space, we're coherent and we're sharp and That's we're right. attentive and we're present, which is right at the top of your list is presence. Yep. And I, I feel like that numbing, that presence takes us away from the, you know, why we're really there. It's a, alcohol is a depressant, it's a numbing agent, it's an escape. And at the, you know, when I created the, the sort of the pitch deck for this concept of District 216, my problem slide was basically something like, I'm tired of bars, empty conversations, and the people that frequent them. So we're creating an alternative space. Like I, There's already plenty of places in Santa Barbara or any town USA that you can go and drink. So why do we need to create yet another, another place for that when we can have a much more meaningful outcome of an evening? And also, by the way, if you want to have a cannabis beverage or, you know, take a microdose of something, then you're, you're, that's fine. It's a safe place for that, but you're going to actually remember the next day what that conversation was. So 
uh, as a businessman, I see navigating the hurdles of that, you know, the, the fatal attraction of the alcohol uh, profit margin being like the number one reason why people establish, you know, a, a liquor license along with a venue because the revenue that comes alongside it is just flowing, literally flowing, right? So talk to me about the challenges and how you've been navigating, curating this space. And, and it sounds like the multi-purpose functionality of it is helping to, you know, chart these this course because it seems like in the world we live in, overheads are so high that we've got to find a way to, you know, make it a, not only break even, but a profitable venture so that it can continue to sustain itself. Absolutely. So for the District 216 events, um, my model has been sponsorship. So looking to brands that want to align with, maybe they're directly on the nose in the psychedelics ecosystem, or maybe they're tangential to it. You got companies and they're not my sponsor yet, but if you're out there listening, Dr. Bronner's, You've got amazing companies out in the world like Dr. Bronner's who are very pro the psychedelics movement ecosystem. In fact, their HR departments are like providing their staff with ketamine assisted therapies. And I mean, just so ahead of the curve in so many ways, they would be an ideal sponsor for us. But groups like that are coming in and, and maybe getting a booth or putting their logo out here and helping cover some costs that way. So that's one answer to your question on revenue. Um, and then the other one has been mostly on ticket sales for, for either they're, if their members are in, but if they're buying a ticket as a guest, there has absolutely been a little bit of questioning and pushback on, wait, there's no alcohol, there's no drinking. Like I'm not used to going to an event like this. That's multi-hour long. And you're asking me to sit and watch some content. And then you're having me, you know, want to groove to a band and network. Like I need some social lubrication. What's the deal? Yeah. And we have that conversation is like, this, this is why all the reasons we've already said, we stick to our guns and then we know very quickly who our alcoholic friends are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but you know, that, that is, that, that has been brought up. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could totally see how you're going to continue to navigate that while you define a culture that isn't that, you know, exactly. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan. Well done. The idea of being able to go out for an evening that includes um, education or edutainment and being able to be present for you know live interaction and conversation and moving that into then connections and social situations sounds like the kind of place I want to hang out because you'll never find me at a bar yeah just just never and so because of that I mean as an just speaking as an individual I feel, isolated in society. Like I don't have a place, like exactly. I don't have a, a home, right? Like where am I supposed to go? Absolutely. We're yeah. leaning into this. Like I know that the, the, the term coin may, may not be the right one, but this Cali sober concept of like, I don't drink, but it's cannabis and mushrooms and that's my thing. But to your point, if I'm going out now to a place where I know it's going to be a very social alcohol driven thing, I'll just bring like a little THC nano infused five or 10 milligram thing to drop into my non-alcoholic drink and make that my frequency and and fine i can i can still be social and hang and do all those yeah. things but it's true there's so much pressure for the non-drinker out there and it's like by default almost every single location holiday event is automatically alcohol tangential um so we want to help change that culture we don't need to have that um 
necessity that 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 alcohol necessitated in in our events yeah yeah i really feel you and i am extremely grateful i'll look forward to the next time that i'm in your neighborhood because i'll definitely make a point to come by and spend some facetime one-on-one and get to know the community there i will very much look forward to it awesome yeah i love to have you thank you um i want to speak towards your upcoming event january 20th 2024 veterans ptsd and psychedelics and now before i hand you the mic yeah i want to reference um my own relationship with so many people i've been honored in this life to have lived this incredible life that i almost don't feel worthy of and it is held up the the ability to have lived it is held up by the veterans and the first responders who are there taking care and protecting or taking care of us and protecting our freedoms. And I have seen so many of, of my friends and coworkers in these spaces struggling intensely with PTSD. And I've seen the complete reversals of lives that were just going down the toilet, coming back and seeing the light of day again because of psychedelics. And for me, I understand, and I heard it straight from a a Navy SEAL. It was a Navy SEAL at this psychedelic sciences conference. He said, we're the bridge. We're the ones that are going to make it possible for psychedelics to get beyond California or Colorado or Portland, where, where the cultures are a little more flexible to this, but to get into the red states where the culture is not so accepting of the idea of psychedelics as a modality of healing and the veterans are the ones who are respected, revered, loved, and cared for. And if these medicines are able to bring them healing, then these medicines are, quote, air quote, okay. So well said. I mean, God, there's so many places my mind goes. I go back to like George Carlin and talking about language that we use and, you know, talking about like shell shock, like shell, like, I remember him literal, like literal shell shock. I remember the George Carlin bit about this because he was talking about the softening of language to justify, you know, acts of war and all these things and how it used to be this very like shell shock. And, you know, now it's this PTSD and, you know, this post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's like how we've changed the language to kind of change the way that our culture has had a relationship with like having to help and having to prioritize these things. There's been so much lip service given to support our troops. I mean, not to point out just people on the right and, and during the Bush era, but I just remember, you know, Iraq and having like, you know, Republican run Congresses and, and executive branches not funding armament for our troops and basic things, let alone when they come back and having the VA be the disaster it is and not having access to, you know, treatments. Um, I think that things have started to change a little bit there. I'll give credit to maps having you know governor rick perry come and keynote and and talk about the need for this so i don't i'm not trying to single this out in fact i love the bipartisan nature of of our conversation now in psychedelics that we can see that this isn't just a left right this is a humanity human issue and and a mental health related issue and a desperate one but you know if there's any way that any treatment can provide any relief for to your point the people that have created and protected what we supposedly love and behold as this country um how could we not you know how could we not be be 
touting these things and even if to carve out exceptions immediately for veterans and first responders and deal with the general population later, like why, why and how is this not already here now? Um, thank God we have ketamine assisted therapy and that's legal. Um, you know, I, I know MDMA and, and psilocybin around the bend with our clinical trials and, and, and Rick Doblin is just can't speak his praises enough for what he's done through maps, but um, but it's just not, it's too little too late. It's just, it's not enough. The, the number of daily suicides, I mean, you learn one stat and then you wait six months and, and that stat's wrong because the daily number of suicides is already increased again from, from this cohort. And it's just, it's unbelievable. So if we can do a little tiny bit to shine a light on this and, and create a conversation that keeps momentum going, then, then I, I'm January 20th is a critical event for us. So thank you very much for that, that share and that perspective. I wanted to open the discussion around this topic specifically with the hopes that even one, one veteran hears this podcast and goes to that event because of hearing about this and then finds their way towards some relief from the post-traumatic stress through these modalities. And again, I also applaud Rick Dogelman and MAPS. I've been following Rick for 25 years now and since I first found out about MAPS. And the stage three clinical trials of MDMA are complete and things are moving forward. And I mean, I fully expect that we'll see uh, clinics within the next two years up and operating. And I agree. Rolling it. Yeah. 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 And then our, our panel is not quite complete, but we already have... Uh, three, I can say names and we're excited about Chad McLean from Mental Joe, veteran who, you know, was suicidal and, you know, all the way to, he was seconds from pulling the trigger. And, you know, luckily his wife uh, and, and law enforcement were able to save him. And he eventually got into ketamine assisted therapy and then MDMA and psilocybin treatments. And now he's turned it all around, become an entrepreneur started an apparel company that gives back to first responders and veterans. I um, had him here at the district house. He spoke on a Wednesday night. So honored to have this panel sort of built it around him. And then we've got um, Diego Valde of Navy SEAL, who's, who's leading these journeys for other uh, high-performing you know, SEALs and, and high-performing veterans that need even extra care. Um, he's going to be here. I'm so honored. And Martine from Mission Within. I mean, already three just oh, great. top-notch, incredible humans. And we're going to round that out with uh, with one more speaker, most likely, and an amazing moderator, TBD, on those. And we'll have the the announcement. Our, our target is to announce it by uh, Veterans Day on 11-11. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I got to meet Martine um, back in June in Denver. Yeah. Um, Amazing. So this is the kind of work, that, you know, why I want to highlight this. This is the kind of work that affects our culture in a positive way. Like, so, I mean, you say psychedelic social club that could be interpreted as that's eh, a bunch of people who want to hang out and get high together, mm-hmm. right? They could and land on one far end of that, that spectrum. <laughs> people. Yep. Yep. I don't go on yep, Reddit sure. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure people would say that. But then when you really look at like what's going on here, it's like we're talking about finding modalities of connection and healing for those of us that most need them 
and everybody in between, you know, I, I loved the conversation on sex and psychedelics. I watched the video the other night awesome. and it was wonderful to hear everything that was spoken about there. Yeah, this is the path. This is the way. So this is the way. Amen to that. Yeah. And you just yeah. said it, man, connection and healing. I, it's funny, like, you know, I put this manifesto out and we set these value systems and, but until you actually had people here and then kind of parroting back their experiences, they've told me, and many of the members and guests have come up to me and said, those are the two things. Thank you. I have connection. I have community. I've been in Santa Barbara. I haven't really felt like I found my tribe or my people. And now I have. And then also several people have come and said, I have gotten tremendous healing from knowing that I'm not crazy. I can come to this place and say, I just hallucinated and saw this thing. And wait, you're not saying I'm crazy. Like you actually want to engage me and, and go deeper and, and try to help me find meaning to what that experience was. Like, oh my God, I had nowhere else to go. Like, like that's, that to me just makes it all so worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Jacob, let's get your handles out there. How do people get in touch with you? Where's what, what are the, yeah. What are all your handles? Lay it down. I mean, for me personally, I'm easy. It's Jacob tell at Jacob tell on all the things. Um, and uh, J A C O B. It's not that weird K spelling since the since the uh, vampire movie came out. I keep getting hit with that question. Uh, and then um, for District Two Sixteen, all of it's linked at the bottom of District Two Sixteen dot com. Get on our mailing list. We send out a weekly newsletter about all the events and different content that we have. But then if you want to specifically find us on Instagram, which is our most active platform, uh, it's just at District Two Sixteen official because. Someone else out there got District 216. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> and what about the app? I'm curious myself yeah. to get on there. So where do yeah. I find it? How so do I get signed up? On the website, district216.com, that big purple button in the upper right, um, I think it just says like become a member. Become a member. Yeah. Uh, that will then send you to a grid of like the options of the different tiers. And then any of those uh, free trial, one week free trial buttons will get you into the app ecosystem. And you can either stay in the web or you can actually download an Apple or, or Android version of the app if you really want to get fancy and um, be in the app itself. So either way, web or app. Cool. Thank you. Is there anything else that you'd like to have a chance to share about before we bring this show to a close? Man, I just, um, this is what it's all about. You know, it, it, it takes everybody using their platforms. You with this podcast, um, you know, me with bringing together community, we all have this greater purpose, and I, I really do believe in that rising tide lifts all ships ethos, and I just appreciate you having me here taking the time to do the research, read the manifesto. You know, Both of us, I feel, have connected and, and actively listened, and that's all we can hope for, uh, to help elevate consciousness and, and help change humanity for the better. Thank you, Jacob. Like I mirror everything that you say. It's a, I, love, I love your work, man. I love your work. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show today. If you'd like a cost-free way of supporting the podcast, please consider subscribing, YouTube, Spotify, follow us on Instagram, leave us a five-star review. Anything to support and spread the word is truly appreciated. 
the thing that really keeps the show going is the Patreon community. Without the financial support of everybody in our Trust the Journey family, we would literally not be able to produce these shows. So if you'd like to become a member and find yourself connected and supported in a virtual space where we're fostering the same set of values that we've been talking about on this show, where we're there for each other, we have a, a, a co collective community where everybody is welcome and our values are clear, go ahead and get on Patreon and make a donation at any level. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show today, Jacob. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I look forward to further getting to know you better in person. Yes. And IRL <laughs> in real life. Yes. In real life. Yeah. And I can't wait for you to meet my co-host, Miss Melanie Curtis. I'm sure you guys are going to vibe. Yes. I watched YouTube vibe on some episodes and I, I'm very excited to meet her as well. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Well, thank you. Keep loving, keep laughing, and keep trusting the journey.